Hello there. This is Cassia. And this is Brian. Welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Spoiler alert for Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films, TV shows, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Hello there, and welcome to the Ebon Hawk podcast. Uh, today we're going to be going over our uh, second uh, in a you know trilogy of film adaptations. You know we've kind of been through our planets, Tatooine, Manon, the Leviathan, and now we're kind of ready to put all of those pieces together and go over what we think a second film would look like. But before we get into that, there's some important news. So today uh, we're recording this on the 29th of June, and Wave Two of the High Republic came out today, uh, Cassia. Uh, so we had two books out. So we had Rising Storm by Kevin Scott and Race to Crash Point Tower by Daniel Jose Older. Both of those came out today. Did you pick up either of those? Um, I was going to snag the the Rising Storm on Audible. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. finishing a book, uh, The Trojan War by Barry Strauss. So I'm just trying to be a good person and finish some of the some of the things I am listening to before I, I listen to that. But I I've listened to both The Light of the Jedi and um Into the Dark by Claudia Gray and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed both of those and the first time pod uh sent me a copy of a High Republic Adventures comic. So I'm really oh, okay. digging I'm really digging the High Republic era and I would love to for it to get some action figures and Funkos. Like, I wonder if they're saving, if they're saving the merch for something special. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're kind of waiting to release all that stuff, kind of to tie in uh, when we get this thing kind of wrapped up. But yeah, I'm pretty excited. I picked up uh, Rising Storm today, and I'll have to definitely check out Race to Crash Point Tower. I got I got the uh, hard copy of the book, and then I have the audio book on. Uh, reserve from the library but it'll probably be a while before i'm able to get to that so i'll be reading this one and yeah read uh, light of the jedi and uh, into the dark by claudia gray and those are both really excellent um into the dark was a uh, really fun adventure it kind of takes place right during the uh, kind of like the immediate aftermath of the uh what do they call it it's the great uh disaster yeah. and uh yeah it kind of gets everyone stranded on this uh remote space station kind of thing. Um, and we get to learn a lot more about our uh, characters um, and just kind of see how the Jedi are dealing with kind of the aftermath of this, you know, big, crazy galactic event that happened. Yeah. And uh, to my shame, like into the dark was my first Claudia gray book, but it's not gonna, mm-hmm. it's not going to be my last. Um, this story into the dark wasn't as bombastic or, epic as light of the jedi but i appreciated like the smaller scope because it focused more on the characters and i i love character driven stories and so it it was a fun mystery just kind of focusing on the jedi and pilots like traveling through hyperspace and coming across this this space station and mm-hmm. i was like oh man this would be like a fun like I don't know, like video game or like animated series or or something like uh, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of interesting new lore, like from legends and new canon lore. And it, it just kind of like fleshed out the galaxy some more like you, you kind of feel like more of their histories. And I really loved the character Wreath Silas and uh, Comac Vitus, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the way that they're uh, setting up these uh, High Republic stories where you get kind of the big novel that's the big, you know, kind of more sweeping epic part of what's going on. And then you have these smaller stories like, you know, Into the Dark or what I'm assuming like Grace to Crash Point Tower is going to be uh, that kind of, you know, focus in a little bit on kind of one small aspect of what's going on. But yeah, I think it's really well done and I'm excited to get into the second wave here. Yeah. So uh, in the future, I'm sure we, we'll keep on reviewing the High Republic. And uh, if you haven't given it a chance, 
uh, try it out. It, it, it's, a, it's a fun story. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, today we're here to, you know, make sort of our pitches for how we think the second installment of a Knights of the Old Republic uh, film trilogy is going to work. So I think we better start with just kind of the, you know, the bullet points or sort of the elevator pitch for the second movie. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in with mine and you can tell me what you think. See if you if you're a movie executive, if you think that this is something you'd want to pick up. Uh, but mine, so so my elevator pitch, here we go. So uh, so we want to make part two of Knights of the Old Republic trilogy. It's following up the massive hit, you know, that top grossing box office film of all time, Knights of the Old Republic Act One. Uh, so we're bringing you Knights of the Old Republic Act Two. So we're exploring more of the ancient Jedi and Sith lore. Uh, we have encounters with great creatures, exploring new Star Wars planets and species, and we're ending with the greatest plot twist of all the plot twists. Uh, this perfect second chapter is going to, you know, shed more light on Knights of the Old Republic, and it's going to set up the thrilling conclusion to this trilogy. Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I really like that. Um, my first draft, I was like, oh, this is horrible. Uh, and, <laughs> and then when I was kind of like rewriting it, I was like, I really want to embrace, I don't know, kind of the poetic, you know, heritage of like uh, what kind of like knights of the old republic would be kind of like it's like another age you know so it's like okay let's let's right, embrace yeah. the other ageness of this so here is mine in the height of the old republic our heroes search the galaxy for the location of the dreadful star forge they search deserts and oceans confront dragons, warriors, and armies before they must come face-to-face -face with the truth that will shake the stars. Oh, I like that. That is, that is much more poetic than mine, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and it definitely paints a very good picture of what kind of the second act uh, would look like and feel like, for sure. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, uh, let us know what your elevator pitches would be. You can send them to, the, to us and uh, we could read them. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so I guess we should probably just start laying this movie out. So at the end of our first uh, KOTOR film, we ended on Kashik. It was a high note. We were celebrating. We'd, you know, gotten a couple of pieces of our uh, start map puzzle sorted. Uh, but the second movie is going to open and we are making our way to Tatooine. So, Cassia, what is kind of the the plot drivers here for Tatooine, do you have anything that sets up getting to this first planet or what are the, you know, kind of key ingredients of, you know, our time that we spend on Tatooine and, and in Anchorhead? So starting the film, it took me a long time to kind of think about um, how it should start. And mm -hmm. like in, in what, in our recap of uh, act one of Knights of the Old Republic, we kind of talked about like, uh, the different ways like a title crawl could look like. So I, I do like the title crawl, um, kind of keeping it more like a, a title crawl, not like a narration, but kind of like, uh, kind of make it more artistic, kind of like inspired by different, um, manuscripts, maybe like Celtic Japanese manuscripts, kind of like artistic kind of mix in some constellations, like inspired by star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. and I was like, the second film, if it starts quieter, I think it has more weight in a way. Like, so it doesn't need to start with a, a space battle or anything. I think just like you have the title crawl and then pan down would probably be better, even though I do love it when it pans up, you know, or it could pan to the side, but I, I think a pan down would be better in this instance. Uh, and it's like the Evan Hawk and like, Flying past the two sons of Tatooine, I don't think we've ever really... Do we ever see mm. um, spaceships, like, fly right by suns? No, not really. Um, yeah, that would be really okay. cool. I, in A New Hope, you see, you know, kind of the escape pod going down towards Tatooine. But no, I don't think we ever really see the suns as part of, you know, kind of the yeah. approach onto the planet. That would be really cool. So I was thinking it would at least be a different visual. It's like if we have to do tattooing again, it's like new mm. visual. And 
it there are literally stars you know uh and they're looking for star maps and the star forge and i don't know like for me like i think like stars are kind of like the the through line of this uh series like the knights of the old republic series so it could be yeah. different and then they land there kind of just more quiet kind of like contemplative like looking at the beauty stuff like that before like the adventure begins but um so i was thinking tatooine uh if i were to describe it i would say it's a treasure hunt a la raiders of the lost ark the journey across the frontier reveals more of our character's depths okay yeah that that sounds you know that pretty much kind of sums up what we're doing on tatooine like like you, I think that the film's going to end with some sort of some sort of like crawl, but I I would like to see it kind of in I don't want to say animated, but maybe sort of you know these uh, glyphs and writing kind of appearing on screen versus you know just kind of the typical you know crawl that we've seen in Star Wars films before, just so it looks a little bit more ancient and just has a little bit of a different feeling. Um, but obviously it's going to be, you know, kind of in the same feeling as uh, the first film, uh, as, you know, to keep some continuity there. But, you know, kind of sets up the story, kind of gives a little bit of a recap of, you know, what happened in the first film, just to kind of, you know, make sure that everyone's brought up to speed and on the uh, same page. And then, yeah, it's going to open on the Ebon Hawk and maybe we get a, a nice exterior shot approaching the planet and then. Uh, we're going to see it going down into Tatooine and landing in a place we've not ever seen before. So it's going to be Anchorhead. Um, I think that it's going to, you know, be kind of carved out of stone, a lot of different like sandstone, um, some different colors to it, you know, kind of, you know, streaks of like pink and purple, like in the stone itself, I think would be really cool. But while we're on Tatooine, you know, we have to find the star map. And while we're there, we're going to, you know, meet up with the Tusken Raiders, uh, do some uh, talking with them. We have a battle with the crate dragon. We need to work out. Um, maybe pick up uh, another few enemies on the way. But uh, to me, the Tatooine section is going to feel a lot. You said Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm going to say Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So it's kind of like a. I like the comparison to the Last Crusade because he's got his little uh, journal. He's working through kind of these steps that his you know father had laid out for him, kind of in this little uh, book. And uh, oh. so it's going to have kind of that same. Same so feeling, Bastila except the, is Indiana Jones because her yeah, father right. is literally looking for the star map. I think it, so. exact, exactly. So, but yeah, I think we were both kind of on the on the same page there that we want this to feel, you know, have have kind of a, you know, a playfully serious tone. Is that is that a good descriptor of Indiana yeah. Jones? Uh, yeah, um, action just adventure. Kind of a, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of this this fun, but yet, you know, kind of still has, you know, one foot on the uh, serious side of it for sure. And it's, you know, really what it is is a big, you know, treasure hunt. So that's what we're there uh, doing. So uh, what about as far as the, you know, character uh, focuses on Tatooine? So, you know, the Ebon Hawk crew, it's pretty big. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to kind of whittle it down and, you know, kind of focus, you know, a little bit on individual characters here as we move through the film so on Tatooine who do you whose time to shine is it here in this place who do we get to learn more about um you know or you know what kind of actions do they take uh, what are your thoughts on that uh I just wanted to add that uh, my film inspirations for Tatooine oh. Raiders of the Lost Ark and Casablanca and I think Casablanca is gonna be also an inspiration for Manon as well uh mm -hmm. so yeah, but on Tatooine, I think the main character focus is Bastila, um, because it she runs into her family. Well, like I guess like her mother, and then like has to see that her father has passed away, and like kind of come to terms or not come to terms with that, and mm -hmm. and then I think like getting some Tusken Raider lore. It, after talking to Huni, I'm like, if you're gonna do it, you have to, you have to do it. Uh, yeah. So, and then obviously Revan and and Karth a bit. That that's who I would say. What about you? Yeah, I think Bastila is the big one for sure. Right, uh, meeting her mother and kind of setting the tone for how her story is going to play out through this film is really important. I think 
um, we're going to get a good opportunity for Revan to kind of find some of his uh, strength, um, especially towards the end of our time on Tatooine and dealing with the crate Dragon. Um, you know, maybe uh, something that's kind of revealed to him at each of these stops along the way is, you know, some bit of himself that he's kind of rediscovering. So, you know, just his uh, just his strength and power and his you know, kind of attachment to the force. I think that that's something that's going to crop up from time to time. And I think we get the first kind of glimpse of that uh, here on Tatooine. And then the other one I think that is interesting to me is Candorous. So um, in the in the game, Candorous has a side quest on Tatooine where he goes to confront Jaggy, another uh, Mandalorian. And I think that for our movie, I think that that is going to be interesting because we don't really get a good idea of what Candorous is doing with the group, right? He flees Terrace with us, um, and then he's just kind of along for the ride, so he's been at you know, Dantooine and then at, at Kashyyyk, but here uh, he has kind of this other conflict to take care of and kind of separates himself from the group, so it, it leaves us wondering, you know, what role does Candorous have and what part is he going to, to play? So it's uh, you know, just kind of kind of sets up for we don't really know, you know, if Candorous is really allied to us or if he was just kind of, you know, using us to get from point A to point B. Yeah, that that is that is smart. Like, because I think you can like maybe have Candorous just be like, OK, like I escaped the planet like terrorists with these people. I can stick around with them. Mm-hmm. Dan maybe Kashik. Then he's like. But then I think it's like, it's kind of like maybe it's like when you graduate, you go to one company and it's like, do I really want to stay at this company, you know, or do I want to like kind of grow more elsewhere? And like maybe like Candorous, it's like he kind of is like, oh, I don't need to stay here. I'm I'm my own person. And then like uh, by the end of uh, like kind of act two, I think he... Mm-hmm. He's kind of grown and uh, kind of discovered more about himself and like he he does want to um, save the crew. So I think it's yeah. a little bit like a Han Solo in uh, A New Hope for Candorous, in, in my opinion. Yeah, he's always going to kind of be the uh, <laughs> the unwilling protagonist for the group kind of, right? Yeah. So... And I, I think it's a bit interesting because he's like a little bit older, so like you would think he'd be a little bit more set in his ways, but um, mm-hmm. but he he's still kind of growing and learning. So yeah. Okay, so that kind of that kind of takes care of what we want to see on Tatooine. And as we leave, we've uh, defeated the Crate Dragon, we've uh, gotten the Crate Dragon Pearl, and we've gotten our piece of the star map. So it's off to the next destination, which is Manan. Uh, now, Cassia, on the kind of travel in between Tatooine and Manan, are there any kind of story elements you'd like to see, or is this a good time to have uh, Malak kind of sprout up and? Uh, get a little bit of insight to what what he's scheming on up you know up on board his ship or uh what do you think is there any any sort of activity that needs to happen on our uh travel time here um this was actually one thing i was kind of thinking about um i guess maybe because i've been listening to uh the trojan war and it, and they mm. talk about like uh how they have to stop in between where they're going because you know ships can only go so far, you know, so you kind of have to like, and also like stock and get supplies and rest and get water and all that. And I was like, maybe like to kind of show that, uh, like it's 4,000 years before like the Star Wars saga we are familiar with. I was like, mm-hmm. what if like in between going between worlds, they have to like stop and refuel and get some stuff. And like, it's kind of like, a little bit of a, um, I was going to say world between worlds, but that's kind of a <laughs> canon lore thing, you know? Uh, yep. but what I mean is like, not like a gas station planet, but like, 
maybe there is a gas station planet in Star Wars, who knows, but um, kind of like they have to like stop and like kind of get a little bit of a feel of like a medieval journey, you know, like while everyone's like maybe on pilgrimages or trading, like they kind of have to stop and refuel and maybe like you see Dark Jedi there. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of spies and stuff and le- like you have to kind of be on your guard like anything can happen in this day in that day and age you know so I was kind of yeah. thinking like that would be cool and like that way you kind of see a little bit more worlds than just Tatooine and on Leviathan so that's what mm-hmm. I was thinking yeah that's that's actually a really good uh, thought because uh, if you've read any of the High Republic kind of one of the big parts of at least the the first wave that we've seen of that is it, they're just kind of establishing this more streamlined abilities through hyperspace. So presumably if you go back even further than that, it's going to, you know, even if, if you, you can travel at hyperspace, you know, they haven't established these lanes. So maybe it's not, you know, a go from point A to point B, you know, maybe you have to, you know, kind of make some stops along your way, right? They haven't built the interstate yet, so you're taking the back roads to get there. So yeah, I think that that's that's really a good way to introduce some more kind of dangers and uh, opportunities for our uh, crew here of the Ebon Hawk to meet up with some adversaries and you know a little bit more uh, action into some of these, especially because uh, Tatooine and Manon are going to be paced a little bit slower, I think. So yeah, but I think like Manon. Uh, I wasn't expecting this. Like, I was thinking, like, in Act 2, like, I'd be more excited about the other, the other locations. But, like, I think, Mm -hmm. like, uh, just kind of doing some of these episodes, I'm like, I think I'm more interested for Manon, you know? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. which is, like, a world where the war is kind of more hidden beneath the surface, uh, like, I feel like they kind of pretend it's not a problem, you know? Um, so it's like a world, like, half Republican, half Sith. But, like, any day mm-hmm. the Cold War could turn into a... I don't know, what is the term? Is it, like, a hot war? Or is it, like, a full-scale war? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, know. something <laughs> like that, for sure. But, yeah, yeah, it goes it goes from being, like a like, a war of intelligence to a war with, you know, more pew-pews and things like that yeah and what i like about manon is like it's it can mirror the galaxy like because there's these two armies republic and sith and like either one of them could dominate and uh the characters in in our crew you know like either one of them could like go bad or go or stay on the light side you know and mm-hmm. especially, like, uh, Revan and Bastila, I think, like, they're kind of in the balance, you know? So yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is so fascinating from a symbolic perspective, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it is super interesting to have kind of these, you know, two sides, you know, kind of, it's like a, like a simmering pot, right, you know? tensions are super high but everyone has to kind of play by the rules of the Selkath because you know everyone is there because they need uh Colto to you know heal up their uh troops so they can keep waging their wars elsewhere in the uh galaxy but yeah it's just a really interesting location and everyone's kind of bottled up on you know this you know these small kind of uh places up on top of the surface right that are basically just built there for you know people to live and pick up their culto and uh, get back out of there. So uh, it's it's a very cool location. I think it's going to be super interesting to see uh, on film. And I think just the interactions between the two sides is going to be really fascinating. And like you said, you have uh, Revan, you have Bastila, who are, you know, kind of, you know, swaying in the balance, sort of. Um, and you also get really good story parts with Jolie, who's going to, you know, be able to... Uh, kind of set the tone for the party as we go through here. But uh, yeah, I, there's just a lot of really fun stuff to do on Manon, um, aside from, you know, just get the star map for sure. Yeah, I'm fascinated by like the dynamics of the city, especially like by the ramifications for the team, uh, 
and the world like doing the trial like uh, are people willing to like kind of like lie to kind of get what they want like is that the right thing like uh i just it, so much drama to be had on manon draman i don't know um <laughs> drama trying to yeah, make that go. a thing but it will not probably never be a thing but um maybe that'll be on the postcard no just kidding it, it won't but um uh so my my film inspirations are casablanca and uh every good cold war film we talked about helen mirren's uh, filmography and there's there's some to choose from from there but like Casablanca, I was like, I think it's a good, um, something good to like kind of have reflected in Tatooine and Manon because it's, it's just such a good drama. And like, if you look at it, it's really just like, you look at each character's motivations and like, it's not like some like, it's really simple, you know, it's like, does this guy want to be with this person still? Does this girl want to do, like, the right thing? Or does she want to be with the guy she loves? Like, what will people mm-hmm. do for papers, you know, to get out and survive, you know? And so it, it kind of keeps it real. So those are my film inspirations. What about you? Yeah, so uh, my film inspiration, um, and actually Casablanca is a, a really good one because you have kind of these, you know, well, in Casablanca, you have like the the Nazis are coming in, right? So there's this this weird kind of tension there. But my film inspiration uh, is Argo. Uh, it's kind of for the same reasons, right? You're you're trying uh, trying to lay low, trying not to be seen and get caught and get busted with this stuff, um, you know, and trying to you know kind of get into Manon and get out of Manon without causing a real stir, right? You don't want to set off any red flags for uh, Malik and the rest of the Sith. So you're trying to, you know, like I said, kind of get in and get out. And I think that that's the big struggle that you're going to have. Um, you know, we talked about Revan and Bastolo. We talked uh, about Jolie there. Uh, but I think that Karth, too, um, you know, being the good Republic soldier, like he's going to be itching for a fight. And, you know, the, the rest of the party is going to have to do you know kind of their best to keep him in check you know uh keep it cool karth don't don't lose your head don't lose your temper you know there's uh, bigger things at stake here right now so yeah i think like keeping the trio involved like throughout the the films is, is critical and uh i think jolie will have a lot to do here on manon but definitely karth as well uh, mm-hmm. because he has the the most connection, like, the most personal connection to the Republic. I mean, Basila's been fighting in the war, but, like, her number one connection is to the Jedi, I would say. And yep. um, I think, like, Karth, like, his paranoia, like, he can sense something's not quite right, you know, and I think he wants to do the right thing, and I think he wants to make sure the Republic wins. So I think there's a lot of fun uh, fun stuff for uh, Karth's character to do. And then uh, with Revan and Bastila, like, uh, they're the Jedi, you know, kind of leading that, the search for the Star Forge, well, like, the star maps, I guess, leading to the Star Forge. So mm-hmm. it'll, be, it, it'll be fun, I think, so... Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, as far as kind of the other characters, obviously you have uh, Jolie there. He's, uh, you know, taking place in this trial or some sort of uh, film adaptation of what this trial is going to be. Um, And I do think that as far as Karth goes, I think um, from a story perspective, I think that now is probably the best time to uh, have Karth find out about his son having joined the Sith and his uh, own Korriban, I think that now is a good good time for that. And I think that that's kind of another plot point, you know, driver of, you know, telling Karth to to play it cool, so to speak. And, you know, keep your head up. We'll get we'll get through this. We'll get out of here. And then we'll, you know, take care of your son. You know, yeah. we promise. But we, you just got to, uh, for right now, you know, we have to have to get this thing sorted. And I think it's a good time to see T3 as well because we haven't seen him. Uh, really do too much up until this point because uh, T3 not that not that useful on Tatooine too much sand you know gets in his uh, servos there but I think he's going to play a key part here because uh, he can kind of sneak around he can uh, hack into the computer mainframes and get us the information and open all the doors that we uh, need doing yeah 
in our postcard we're we're gonna have available soon uh there is kind of a focus on Jolie and T3 interacting and then Revan and Bastard are in the background, you know, kind of like supposedly focusing on their mission, you know, but, um, so it's, it's a fun, (laughs) it's a fun postcard, you know? Uh, and I think when I think of like T3 in Knights of the Old Republic, I'm like, Manon, like, you know, it's a, it's a good area. Mm -hmm. Like he, it would, it would be fun to kind of like see him do stuff, but I mean, in my mind, like T three is like kind of like the R two D two, and like I think like in my mind, like he was a Republic and our Spire like astromech droid, and like maybe belonged to like either just the Endar Spire uh, uh, or Bastla, and like is kind of just like kind of adding the the Star Wars juice to the to the cocktail, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I kind of just uh, see that happening. But I think, like, maybe, like, T3 could, like, maybe kind of help with, like, labeling the star map and stuff and, like, mm-hmm. kind of keeping the record of, like, what they're learning. And, like, I was kind of thinking about it. Like, maybe it could maybe take some time to process and it's almost like it looks like the technological version of, like, having to paint out a map by by hand, you know, rather than just like, here's some blinking dots. Like have have fun with it, you know? Like, but that's just what I was thinking. So Right. Like like maybe when you get to the star map, you know, T three has to, you know, have have the star map input to him or he has to download it and then kind of upload it into the Ebonhawk. So really only T three and the Ebonhawk know know where we're going. Yeah they have to keep that firewall up you know um (laughs) yeah that's right yeah that is an interesting point you have with Karth but I kind of wonder if it's it's better for him to find out about his son in the next movie um because like kind of looking towards the future like I think this is where Karth like uh he's kind of proven right about trust because a lot of secrets were being kept from him, like the whole crew really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think like in the third one, that's when he has to learn how to trust again and to learn that people can become better. And I think if he like has to like, if he has like a personal connection, like in the next movie uh, to realize like people can go to the dark side, but they can, uh, kind of become better i think like it would give him something to grapple with on korriban and uh, Mm -hmm. something to overcome and like like at the battle of the starforge like in my mind like this is kind of looking towards the future but i think like karth is like gonna have an opportunity to maybe take out bastila like from the outside of the starforge like mm-hmm. he doesn't know she's like been redeemed. Maybe she hasn't been redeemed yet. But then I think he's just gonna have to be like, no, I, because of what I learned, like you know, with Revan and my son, you know, like I I can trust again, and like Revan's gonna reach Bastla, and and it's gonna be okay, and the Republic is gonna survive. Yeah. Like I don't have to, like uh, I don't have to take out Bastla, you know. And I think, like, in Act 1 or Act 2 of Knights of the Old Republic, like, Karth wouldn't have hesitated, but, like, uh, in Act 3, like, he's kind of learned how to trust, you know, again, and, mm-hmm. and build and maintain relationships. Yeah, so I like I like what you said there a lot. Um, so, and it got my, got my wheels spinning. So what about if we're on Manan and we're, you know, getting some information from the Sith, uh, maybe there's some sort of a document or a screen or something that Bastila is looking at and she sees um, Karth's son, uh, his name on the list of these Sith people. And so as an audience, we know, you know, that she saw that and knows, but, you know, Karth is, you know, none the wiser to it until later and then uh, finds out that, you know, that she knew. So not only was she not telling the you know whole truth about Revan, but she was also keeping him. Uh, that from him uh, what do you think about that is that is that too much or uh, do you still think it would be better for him to find out later or that might be a little bit much but maybe 
if if he is going to learn, maybe he could learn it from Saul on the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then as far as the characters on Manon, the only other kind of note I had here um, is about Revan and Jolie and that, you know, it's kind of a good uh, teaching opportunity or maybe not teaching opportunity, but Revan's able to see Jolie in the way that he handles the Sunry uh, murder, you know, trial uh, kind of thing and see that, you know, not everything is as black and white as, you know, the Jedi and that Bastila, you know, kind of tell him that it is. So just seeing Jolie kind of in action and, you know, making different decisions than like the Jedi Council probably would or that Bastila might in the same situation. I just think it's a kind of a growth opportunity and uh, kind of a little bit more uh, character development for Revan to you know, kind of lead him uh, down a little bit of a different path than Bastila is kind of going on right at this exact moment. Yeah, um, because with Jolie, I, for me, it's just so interesting for him to cross paths with Sunri again, and Sunri, mm-hmm. like, isn't who he used to be or who Jolie thought he was, but, I mean, I'll kind of talk about this later, but, like, Jolie... I think his main goal is to kind of just uh, to mentor uh, Revan and Bastila on their paths. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just really interesting. We made it down to the Colto Mines and found the next piece of the star map. T3 has plugged into the Ebon Hawk, and we're on our way to the next destination. But, uh-oh, we are not going to quite make it because we're going to get caught in a trapter beam to the Leviathan. Karth looks out the window and says, that's the Leviathan, that's Saul's ship. Uh, and We uh, better figure out what we have to do here. So, Cassia, what do we have to do here? Uh, we're going on to the Leviathan. So wh- what do you think's happening? Is there anything that happens kind of on the blast off from Manon um, before we get to the Leviathan? Or uh, we just kind of kind of heading straight there? And what's happening when we get there? So in my mind, Revan and Bastila... Like, either on Manon or maybe by the star map kind of room in the Ebon Hawk. Like, kind of like we're defining or determining their relationship, you know? And then, like, kind of like Bastila can't admit, like, Revan is a, like, was a Sith Lord. And, like, so they're kind of going through some, like, relationship drama. So, like, in my mind, like, when you're dealing with like relationship drama, like sometimes it's like you have a friend in school and it's like, we have a really important midterm coming up. And uh, like <laughs> right. your friend is like, I need to stress and worry about this relationship. Then like sometimes <laughs> like uh, when you're on the outside of it, you can be like, like it's, it's going nowhere. So like it's pointless to worry about that, but we have a really important midterm coming up, you know? So like, in my mind, like, Revan and Basila, they're not going to be able to sense, you know, that there's literally a Leviathan coming up on them. They're the right. Jedi on board. And I think the only person who would sense it is Jolie. But mm-hmm. um, I think he, I think Jolie knows this is inevitable. And in my mind, like, it kind of happens kind of more suddenly. So they don't have time and be like, okay this is what's going to happen, you know, like, let's plan this out, and one of us is going to stay behind, like, I think it's just going to be, like, everyone's on, on alert, you know, and, like, kind of just, like, gets mm-hmm. captured. That, But maybe they try to send out a distress signal, and, like, maybe to, like, Big Z and Mission, and maybe Candorous, just because he's on the Ebon Hawk group chat text, you know, and... Uh, in my mind, Juhani is Bastila's friend, you know, kind of like her contact on Dantooine, you know, mm-hmm. so maybe they send it out there and maybe also to the Republic and like the Jedi Council and they see who can respond. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of see it a uh, pretty similar way. I think maybe on Manon we had 
I don't know if it's like a like a bounty hunter, but like an informant or uh, something along those lines. Uh, we see them kind of call back to Malik and say they got here because you know Malik knows where they're going, right? Pretty much, <laughs> or you'd at least have a pretty good idea. So you know, gets tip, gets tipped off that they were there, so they're just kind of out waiting for them to leave Manon, basically. So you know, as soon as they do, they're getting into this uh, tractor beam. And like you said, I think, you know, Bastel and Revan probably not paying that much attention to it. Jolie's like, um, did you guys uh, notice that big ship out there? Uh, yeah. Something like that. Um, but yeah, get get kind of captured right away. Um, and, you know, as they're getting pulled in, um, I like that, you know, sending out a distress signal to uh, Candrus and Mission and Zalbar and uh, probably to Juhani or the you know, the Jedi Council, uh, something like that. But I think you get kind of, you know, the trio um, and Jolie ending up in like this prison, like the four of them together. And then kind of the trio gets separated out from Jolie, leaving him, you know, Jolie kind of alone and the other three kind of in these other like individual holding cells, like up more uh, near like the bridge of the ship. Yeah. And from that that point, it's, you know, kind of time to... Uh, do the prison break and figure out how we're going to uh, get out of this situation. So uh, what do you think about that? So we're on the Leviathan and, you know, some of the parties captured here. Uh, What do you think? How is that going to play out? Yeah. So my film inspiration uh, for this section is definitely alien. And on the Mm -hmm. Leviathan, like the war and everything else is stripped away. Like the truth can no longer be contained. Revan, Ultimately, like, ultimately what happens on the Leviathan is Revan learns the truth. Um, Mm -hmm. So my character focus is here. It's definitely the trio. Malik kind of having, like, something to do, you know, finally. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then Candrus and Juhani. And in my mind, it's Candrus and Juhani who do the rescuing. Um, Okay. And, like, why I have Juhani join now is just, like, so you can kind of like have more time for all of the characters and then Basil is going to be taken uh, and then like Juhani can fill the gap, you know, in, in the group then like to be another Jedi. Uh, but like in my mind, like in KOTOR 1 and like throughout like kind of like the interim of KOTOR 2, like she is in touch, you know, so yeah. Yeah, so uh, for for my envisioning of the prison break, I think um, we're going to have the droids do the prison break. Um, like I said, because Jolie's also been captured. So you have HK, you have T3, and they're out. Um, at this point, Jolie's been you know separated from the main trio, so they get Jolie out, and then they're you know they're on their mission to try to you know keep things under control. And about that time, you know Juhani shows up, Mission and Zalbar show up. Um, but I don't think Candor shows up, um, at least not right now. Um, you know, and about that time, that's when Malik and a bunch of Sith troopers are arrived. And, you know, then the, the reveal happens. So, uh, my film inspiration, uh, too, same as yours, it's alien. So the Leviathan is a gigantic ship and I think that it's going to be pretty empty. Um, you know, pretty dark, but it has like those, you know, like those big fluorescent lights that kind of come on as you enter enter a room so it's kind of creepy and sterile but really like empty and hollow feeling Hmm. so yeah so definitely some good alien vibes and then as we're um after kind of this this prison break section's happening and then it's and then it's going to turn on to you know like all the good star wars films do and we get kind of this three front battle so you have uh karth he's on the bridge he goes to deal with saul confront him you have revan bastila and malik and then you also have you know Jolie and Juhani, Mission and Zalbar, and the droids are fighting off, you know, kind of these, you know, the Sith troopers and, you know, patrol droids, you know, stuff like that, like trying to work their way back to the Ebon Hawk so they can, you know, be ready to make the escape when the time comes. Yeah, I do like incorporating uh, Mission and Big Z, now that you kind of mention it, like they can save the droids and uh, Candorus and Juhani can save the people, you know, uh, and one thing I was kind of thinking of is, like, if Saul and Darth Malak are, like, in the same room, mm-hmm. and, like, Karth handles Saul because he, he can do that, you know, and then, like, Malak and Revan and Basila are fighting 
Saul will die and then he kind of listens to him and then Karth is like, what? Like, and then kind of just like looks at Bastila and then like Bastila's like, oh, great. Like, yeah, great. Like, <laughs> right. And then like kind of the reveal happens and, uh, yeah. Uh, it, just like the ultimate, like everything that could go wrong is going wrong, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in my mind, like, I don't know if, like, how the Ebon Hawk crew is going to escape on the Ebon Hawk. Like, maybe, like, the Ebon Hawk can, like, kind of go through the ship and escape through the engines. And, like, it kind of turns oh, cool. the ship, yeah. like, black or, like, it kind of burns away the, the orange and white paint job. And, like, it mm-hmm. kind of reveals, like, the black underneath because it's literally called the Ebon Hawk, you know? Um, yep. and I was like, and then in the third movie, they could have an all new paint job that kind of like reflects like Revan you used to be Darth Revan and was black, you know, like kind of like on the dark side, but then, mm-hmm. um, he was kind of painted over with a, with a new paint job, like a Jedi false identity, you know, like orange and white. But then in the third one, it's like kind of embrace all three and it's like black, white, and orange, you know? And Mm -hmm. in my mind, it's like, that was cool, you know? And like, it would be a fun Lego set because it's not just like, here's another gray spaceship. Wow. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, like that, that's my version of how they get out. But like, I think Bastlet's like, they're almost out, but then like Darth Malak is there and like, Bastila is literally not in a good place. Like, mm-hmm. just like she's dealt with like family attachment issues. She's kind of like in love with like someone who used to be a Sith Lord, could maybe be a Sith Lord again. And then like fighting a war and like being held back by the Jedi Council, you know? Um, yeah. So she's not going to be in a good place. So I think she's like, well, Revan knows who he is and what I've kind of kept from him. And so does Karth. And like, I'm just gonna at least do what I can do and like d- probably I'll die but I'll I'll try to save them and do the right thing. Um and then everyone leaves. Um I kind of see like once Revan knows who he is. Um it kind of like is like the end of the last Jedi like where uh the force bond between like Kylo and Rey doesn't happen anymore. You know, like, so mm-hmm. it, it kind of, like, there's going to have to be a reconciliation for the Bond to kind of be there anymore. Um, so, like, everyone yep. is kind of gone. Bastila, like, is kind of left with, like, Malik, and then, like, some dark Jedi come. And Malik says, like, whoever wins uh, the duel, you know, between whichever one of you, like, defeats the rest will be my Sith apprentice. And, uh then I think, like, uh, Bastila is gonna, like, you know, kind of, like, try to win and become aggressive, and then she's, like, kind of tapping into the dark side, because she's, like, emotionally not in a great place, you know? Um, And in my mind, like, some Jedi did survive, and they were sending a Jedi strike team to be like, oh, we need to save Bastila on Leviathan, but because she's tapping into the dark side, um, it backfires on the Jedi because they're aligned with the light side. And mm-hmm. um, so their death is kind of on her hands and uh, she's kind of been tapping into the dark side. And Malik said, like, whoever wins will be my apprentice. And at the end, it's like uh, she defeated them. And then it's like, well, maybe Darth Malik, like, this isn't what I would have said word for word, but I'm kind of just paraphrasing. And it's like, you defeated them. You will be my apprentice, you know? And then like, that's yeah. like, what? Like, uh, no, it's like, <laughs> and like, he would kind of reveal what happened and like what Basilis has done. And it's like, you've done everything the Jedi wanted you to be. Like, this is what you've done. You know, like you're Mm -hmm. the perfect Jedi. Where did it get you? Are you happy? And then like kind of just like the realization. It's like, I will show you more mercy, you know, than the the Jedi ever would, you know, which probably is true because they do a lot of weird stuff on Dantooine, you know, and (laughs) true, true. 
And yeah, so I kind of just want to end the film with Bastila embracing the dark side. Okay. Yeah, I'm into that. I think that the film definitely needs to end with, you know, kind of that concluded. I don't think that that needs to be left hanging out there for, you know, the couple of years until the the next film would be coming out. But um, as far as like the the characters on board the Leviathan as we're, as we're getting out of there, I think um, it's going to be an interesting kind of introduction for uh, Jolie to Juhani. Um, and he's going to kind of, you know, see her as an opportunity to, you know, kind of have someone else to teach as an apprentice, kind of get a second shot at having an apprentice. So I think that their relationship is going to be uh, fun to kind of see, start here and then develop through the third film. Um, I think Karth, uh, you know, when confronting Saul, I think that, you know, uh, Karth's going to be, you know, seeing red ready for revenge, ready to take Saul out for what he did. But, um, you know, after spending all of this time with Bastila and Revan and Jolie, he's going to, you know, attempt to take the high road until, you know, Saul kind of forces his hand, um, there in that situation. Um, and I think uh, Candorus, I think, gets back to help out the team, but not straight away. So we think that Candorus has kind of abandoned us. Maybe he's like, uh, as everyone's you know getting back to the hangar bay where the uh, Ebon Hawk is, you know, maybe he's there, you know, and you know the everyone's kind of running away from, uh, you know, the Sith or these uh, droids or whatever, and then you know Candorus can just kind of uh, open fire and save the day here at this last second. You know, uh, say something quippy like Candorus is probably one to do, and then you get the you have the big reveal, right? So Revan and uh, Bastila and Malik, uh, they're on board the Leviathan. So yeah, just a, it's it's weird. It's like a it's kind of like this rescue mission, but it kind of gives everyone a little bit of a part to play which I think is kind of neat. And this will make for a really neat section of the film. Yeah. Yeah. So like with ending the film, like the very end, like Karth is going to be mad and hurt, uh, but he's going to stay on there. I think just to mostly just make sure that Revan doesn't become Darth Revan again. And mm-hmm. like he's on the mission to find the Star Forge. Like that's the only way to win. Um, so I yep. think he's like, I literally don't want to be here, but I literally have to be here. So, <laughs> right. um, so yeah, like, I think like the act three is going to be a, a big film for Karth and I'm kind of excited to get into that, you know, um, if mm-hmm. it's Revan, like without the big twist that he's Revan, it's kind of just, you know, like a, a little bit of a generic, uh, space tale you know um yeah so this is like a twist like all of vader being luke's father like without luke luke's father being vader like just the third film is like yeah we took out another death star the end you know there's no emotional connection there like so this this twist changes the game for the galaxy like he was a jedi he was a sith lord now he's a blank slate so it's an unknown, mm-hmm. like, at the end, like, what path he will take. But Bastila, I'm like, dark side. It's interesting. Like, I don't want to see Bastila be tortured for, like, so much of the third one and be like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. You know, it's like, we all know what's going to happen. So right. just give her yellow eyes. And one thing that I, I always find interesting, like, kind of like, you can always liken, like, Star Wars to real life, you know, and it's like some people, it's like they have strict parents growing up or like domineering parents. And then like, they're like, oh, my parents, I'm leaving them behind. And now I have a domineering, like romantic interest. And it's like, okay, like Mm -hmm. that's literally the same thing, you know, like, so I think it's kind of like she's going to serve Malik, like she served the council, like, so she's not free. She's just kind of trading one master for another master, you know? So I see, like, I think she's, thinks she's taking steps, but uh, she's more broken and lonely, I think, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as far as uh, ending the film goes, right, so, yeah, we have Basila is is lost. She's with Malik, still in the Leviathan. Um, everyone else kind of gets out of there, though, to the Ebonhawk and off of the ship. 
Um, you know, Revan's distraught. Obviously, he doesn't know what happened, what's going on, who he really is anymore. Uh, Karth, you know, is feeling feeling very betrayed, feeling, you know, some a turmoil with what you know just happened with Saul and how he feels about that. Plus, you know, the fact that Revan is Revan. Uh, you have Jolie kind of, you know, <laughs> trying trying his best to mend these wounds. Uh, you have, you know, kind of the the whole rest of the party is back together now, but. You know, Mission and Zalbar probably got back super excited to reunite with everyone and they come back and it's just the middle of this, you know, terrible situation that they <laughs> find themselves in. Right? Oh, right? that so, would actually be hilarious because it's like they're on vacation and expecting like everyone to be happy and it's like, oh no, Basil is gone. But then it's like, what happened here? Like, other than that, then right? it's like, I don't know if you've seen Community in the episode where like. Uh, Troy comes back with the pizzas and everything's on fire, but I kind of <laughs> yeah, like exactly, yeah, ex- exactly like that. So, so everyone's kind of on there, but um, I do think we get one last little bit of a uh, space battle as we leave the Leviathan. We get some pursuing, you know, Sith uh, ships, so we kind of have to deal with those. So nothing really is put to rest as far as everyone's, you know, kind of feelings and opinions. And then for like the actual ending of the film for me, so this is kind of what I see in my head. So you have like like Revan, he's like sitting on a bunk or sitting, you know, on a bench, like, you know, back on board the Ebon Hawk. And it's kind of going back and forth, like the shots. So we're seeing like uh, Revan sitting there uh, stewing and you have, uh, and then it'll go over to like Bastila and she's there with Malak and Malak's talking to her, telling her, you know, about all of the lies that, you know, the Jedi told and all of her teachers told. And it can't kind of keeps going back and forth, but you just keep hearing Malak's voice like going over top of this. So like you'll hear like his voice over top of seeing Revan sitting on top of uh, the Ebon Hawk. And then it kind of ends with him saying something along the lines of you've taken him before, go take him again. Um, and then we're going to see kind of as we go through like this little montage of the end, going to see Bastila walking on board. This little ship um, is just just being like bathed in red light as she's getting on this shuttle going to Lehan. And then you'll see Revan back on board the Ebon Hawk and uh, he has his mask. Maybe he's just holding it in his hands or it's over on like this bench or it's in like a bag of Bastila's stuff or uh, something like that. And that's kind of where the film ends. Get a big, nice swell in the music and uh, credits. Yeah. Kind of like Attack of the Clones where like you have you have um, Across the Stars playing and like... Mm-hmm before it can you know if it's gonna go minor or major you know it kind of goes like dun 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 then it's like you know so i'm like yeah Yeah, i'd love that you know like you don't know how it's gonna go so yeah i i like how you describe that it's very artistic i get some good visuals and images you know so so yeah what about you? Any any parting shots for the film or anything uh, you'd like to add about ending ending the uh, second in the Knights of the Old Republic uh, trilogy that we're that we're pitching out here today? I think if it ends with the Ebon Hawk going into light speed, I'm good with with that. Like happening after what you described. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like the journey continues. Um, so those those are those are my. That's my thought. Like, I feel like you articulated it perfectly. And I'm like, yeah, and then it goes into hyperspace. So, like, yeah, so I second what you said. All right, perfect. All right, well, that kind of wraps up for everything um, in terms of, you know, kind of you know, picturing out how the film's going to play out. Uh, you know, join us, uh, you know, in a future episode, and we're going to talk a little bit about the character arcs for the characters here in the second film adaptation for our proposed Knights of the Old Republic trilogy. And you can find us on Instagram at Ebonhawk Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Ebonhawk Podcast. The Ebonhawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shoreman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. 
This episode of the Evan Hawk podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.